MSW Media. News was Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 31st, 2020. Today, the gross domestic product is down 9.5% and the second quarter economy takes the biggest hit on record as Trump tries to distract us with a tweet calling for a delay in the 2020 elections. Gunmaker Remington files for bankruptcy. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's final attempt to block her deposition in the Jufree case against her and Epstein is denied, though she is given to Monday to speak to an appeals court. Intelligence disputes among the Gang of Eight pit Democrats against Republicans who refuse to release election interference information. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is back in the hospital for a non-invasive procedure. Herman Cain dies of coronavirus after attending Trump's Tulsa rally. And the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals agrees to rehear Judge Sullivan's efforts to scrutinize Barr's decision to drop its case against Michael Flynn. I'm your host, A.G. Everybody, we are drowning in news today, but we will not be dissuaded uh, we will persist. Today, I will be talking to Andrew Torres about the disposition of the case against Michael Flynn. And I just realized that I referred to Attorney General Barr as it. Uh, I used that for his pronoun in the introduction. I apologize. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, I don't think Bill Barr has his pronouns listed on his Twitter bio. Um, I'm assuming it's not it. Um <laughs> because originally it said the Department of Justice, and uh, I failed to change that, so my apologies. Uh, but I will be talking to Andrew Torres about that case later on today. And also today we have the Happy Hour Livestream meet and greet, where we will be joined by celebrity guests Josh Geltzer to answer all your SCOTUS questions. And uh, today's guest host will be there, who is joining me now for the headlines, Amy Carrero. Amy, how are you? Hello! I'm I'm the one that's like secretly chuckling in the back. <laughs> I don't know if you heard me. But oh my gosh, there's so much news. Remember when we didn't have this much news back in like, uh, God, even, I don't even know, yesteryear. Yeah. Yeah. When all we had to worry about were tan suits and gray poupon. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I can't wait for sleepy Joe Biden to be president because then it's going to be sleepy AG. I'm going to get some sleep. Yes. And uh, I'm really excited about it. So <laughs> I don't I don't think that that nickname is a bad thing. <laughs> Me neither. Listen, I would kill to get hours of sleep. There was a there was an earthquake recently in Los Angeles, so I haven't slept since. I saw that was trending on Twitter. When was it? Oh, uh, what was this? Wednesday? No, I guess early, really early Thursday morning at four thirty in the morning. I woke up with my dog in my ha- in my arms. <laughs> like, meanwhile, I left my husband behind in bed so like he could fend for himself. But my dog and I were gonna be totally safe. So yeah, it's just re- really weird. I'm not a native Californian, so it's always a, you know, I might be getting divorced, um, and it's fine. <laughs> the priorities come out. I haven't looked it up. Do you know how strong it was? 4.5, which is, I think, oh. technically considered a minor earthquake, but it sure it, it felt like somebody picked up my house and punched it. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It's bananas. Yeah. The biggest earthquake I was in was the Easter quake here in California, in San Diego. It was a yes. six point something. 
And uh, we were all outside in the hot tub, and <laughs> we were at a hotel visiting my mom, right? So we're right. in my mom's hotel's hot tub, and all of these out-of-town people were there for some gymnastics tournament or something. Uh, oh, no. Non-Californians, right? And the sure. and it, this was a roller. It went on for like a good 30 oh, or 45 yeah. seconds, and it was strong, and people were freaking out. We felt it here. I think we felt it yeah. up here. Yeah, in like 2011 mm-hmm. or something, 2010 or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, everybody was freaking out. And, uh, oh, you know, me and my mom and my friends are like, what do you think? What do you give it a 6.4, 6.5? Yeah, I give it that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Oh, this is look, the water's moving and everyone's like flipping out. And we're just yeah. Sort of like, yeah, that's how it goes. I would have been. Yeah, you got you. You were you were definitely prepared, but I would have been one of those freaked out gymnasts, not just because of the earthquake, but who who, who else knows why? Um, because you're also a gymnast. Exactly. Cause no. I'm also a child gymnast. That's, that's why. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I tried to be in gymnastics and then I was five foot seven and they're like, mm, time for you to go. Oh, perfect. um, so anyhow, uh, we have, as you could tell by the headlines, we have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, the lead story today, despite what you might think I think the lead story is today, the lead story today is actually the economy. Um, Economic output fell at its fastest pace on record last spring, this past spring, as coronavirus pandemic forced businesses across the U.S. to close their doors and kept millions of Americans shut in their homes. Uh, Gross domestic product, the broadest measure of goods and services produced, fell 9.5% in the second quarter of the year. The Commerce Department said uh, had reported this on Thursday, and on an annualized basis, the standard way of reporting quarterly economic data, the GDP fell at a rate of 32.9%. That is the biggest drop on record. Crazy. Uh, it was unprecedented in its speed and breathtaking in its severity, according to the New York Times. The only possible comparison in modern American history came during the Great Depression and the demobilization after World War II, both of which occurred before the advent of modern economic statistics, so we can't really compare those apples to apples. Um, unlike past recessions, yeah, yeah. This, this one was a result of a, of a conscious decision to suspend economic activity to slow the spread of the virus, which has all been squandered uh, <laughs> because we're right back where we were. Yeah. Um, but Congress pumped trillions of dollars that have now been wasted into the economy to sustain households and businesses, limit long-term damage, and allow for rapid a rapid rebound. Um, the plan worked. I don't want to say all of the money was, uh, you know, for naught because the, the the unemployment and the you know the rent moratorium yes. and the stimulus money, which was not enough, but all of that uh, was very important to to keep people fed right. and the lights on. You know. And, you know, their plan to dump billions and trillions into the economy worked at first, but because cases have surged in much of the country, it's sort of back to square one. Data from public and private sources indicate a pullback in economic activity reflecting consumer unease and renewed shutdowns. Mm-hmm. Quote, in another world, a sharp drop in activity would have been just a good necessary blip while we address the virus. This is uh, Heather Boucher, president of the Washington Center for Equitable Growth and Progressive. This is a, like a progressive think tank. She said, from where we sit in July, we know this wasn't just a short-term blip. So that uh, is what's going on with the economy. Well, here's the thing. You know, had we just done this correctly, like so many other countries, and shut mm-hmm. down for the amount of time that was appropriate we would have absolutely taken huge financial hits economic mm-hmm. hits but 
now it's I think it's it this is so much worse this this kind of like shut down everybody sacrificed all those weeks and then we opened up way too early and now it's like those sacrifices are necessary again and it just I mean I just can't help but think this is a complete failure of leadership like this isn't just like who could have thunk it a recession it's actually like we were completely in control of this and we bungled it yeah yeah, exactly right. I mean, we were calling for this like back in February, right? When I saw uh, McNeil, Douglas McNeil on Maddow, he's like, we got to shut everything down. At, at six to eight weeks will be cool, but we have to shut yeah. everything down. And we sort of half-ass shut shit down and the president didn't wear a mask. So there's a bunch of mask holes out there. It's my freedoms. And, uh, you know, uh, and so now... I think some states didn't even shut down. I mean, I don't think some states, uh, states shut down completely either. No. So it was just no. like this totally half-assed... You yeah, a hundred percent. Attempt at nothing. Meanwhile, yeah. like I've been in my house since March. It's getting pretty stuffy in here. You guys, <laughs> stay home if you can and wear your damn mask. But yeah. I don't know what, what's going to happen. And and from what I'm seeing, and you might have more updated information than I do, but um, I, is another stimulus package coming? I mean, what's going on? Well, the Republicans just put out their plan, uh, which of course cuts. Um, the unemployment to 70% of what you were making before the pandemic because, hey, you can make less than below living wages and get by. They thought $1,200 was going to last us 10 weeks, uh, 12 weeks. So I mean, mean, that is just insane, like insanity. Yeah. Uh, And and so they spent trillions of dollars to do that. And and because we didn't shut down too completely. But, you know, now if they had just listened to what the Democrats proposed, 10 weeks ago, we wouldn't have to have a redoing of the stimulus package. And had we shut Mm -hmm. down, we would be at the point now where we would be overflowing with PPE and tests and, and uh, all the, all the shit that we need, but no, Trump wanted to politicize it. It it reminds me of, okay. Do you remember the people's court? Remember when judge Marilyn Millian took over? Hell yeah. Was that on UPN? I think so. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. And she had a, a saying, and she would say it in her native language, but the, I don't know what it is in her native language. But in, in English, it's the cheap comes out expensive. Mm, yep, 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 yep. Yes, I, I, yes, totally. Now we're working doubly. We're suffer, suffering mm-hmm. doubly because we did a half-assed job the first time. Yeah, we're going to have to spend $6 trillion on something that should have cost or could have cost $4 trillion. And I know people are like, oh, $2 trillion, it's my couch change. But, you know, that's that's how Republicans think. Right. Uh, and the number of new America, it's Thursday, so it means the job numbers are out, which means uh, the number of Americans filing new claims for state unemployment benefits is out. And that total was 1.43 million last week. And that's according to the Labor Department. 19th, 19th straight week that that tally exceeded 1 wow. million, an unheard of figure before the pandemic. And it was the second weekly increase in a row after nearly four months of declines. This is a sign of how the rebound in cases has undercut the economy's nascent recovery claims for the previous week totaled 1.42 million so it's on the way up for the past two weeks and it will continue to go up unless we get our shit together oh man i don't know i've just (laughs) if you really want to feel so bad about just the future i would just say go on twitter.com and just read some of the things that people are writing i just you just can't even make it up you really really can't so i it breaks my heart that this is where we're at because it was so unnecessary. And the worst part about it, other than the people that are suffering and dying, is that I don't even think people realize that it was unnecessary. I don't even know how history will remember this. I mean, I know, you know, hopefully history 
will remember this as a total fucking failure uh, response. But the, the people who are living it now, I, I don't even know if they see it. Yeah. But, you know, I guess we can rest easy knowing that even when politicians get it wrong or when the media gets it wrong, history usually gets it. Um, yes. But it takes so long. But then, of course, it's also whitewashed. Yeah. So what the fuck are you going to do? Um, True. Now, here's another story for you. The Gang of Eight uh, is engaged in an unusual and bitter partisan fight uh, over how much information to share with the public about election interference. And this is while lawmakers and administration officials seek to prevent a 2016-style meddling from, you know, foreign countries. The public spat between the Democratic and Republican sides of the Gang of Eight. Uh, and, you know, this is like, but we only have 96 days to the elections. This is highly right. unusual for the Gang of Eight. Usually their obligations rise above the political fray. They rarely descend mm-hmm. publicly into partisan squabbles. Um, the fundamental disagreement between the Democratic and Republican sides of the Gang of Eight centers on how much information about foreign threats should be made public. And guess who wants to keep them a secret? And guess who wants to be transparent? I'll give you two guesses. The first one doesn't count. Um, so Democrats, of course, have urged for more transparency. Republicans have warned about the dangerous precedent that would set, you know, letting the American people know. Uh, Anyway, dangerous to let us know what's happening. It's it's like someone's trying to break into your house. Let's not tell you who, though. Mm. Or that they are. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, like yeah. Uh, like somebody's monitoring the, the security cameras, and they're like, mm, that guy's trying to break into the house. Should we tell her? I don't know. That could set a dangerous precedent. <laughs> Let's not. Then we would have to tell other people. <laughs> right. You know. Oh, man. Well, I wonder, truly, what is the downside? I mean, like, let's pretend that let's pretend that they have a good reason. But like, what would be the downside of letting people know that that, that it would just be too sensitive? The intelligence would be too sensitive or or that it would cause panic or what? Yeah, I, I, I probably I would assume. And although this is not what's being said, but this is sort of what happened with the Obama administration. They were concerned about helping Putin give Americans a lack of faith in the electoral process. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. But right now, fuck you. Every, That's I, already happened. That's already happened. I have a lack of faith in everything <laughs> no. right now. Can we just see it all? Exactly. Can we just put the cards on the table and then just reset uh, and then have yes. have somebody just fuck tell, kick Putin out? Come on. Can we just do this? I mean. It is safe to say that Americans have lapsed faith in pretty much any election moving forward until somebody figures out a way to tell us the truth about what is going on. And, and, and you know, it just seems to be so tied up in, in this in politics. And it shouldn't be. I mean, like, truly, this is like what the founding fathers who had many problems. Mm. But the one thing they were so fucking scared of, the one thing that they went through pains to ensure didn't happen was this exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so ridiculous that you know, on the one hand, they're like, the founding fathers, and we hate the 1619 project. Our founding fathers were great. But then are unwilling to, you know, see through the, the, the foundation um, the, of, of, our, of our Constitution. Like, don't mm. let people get in here. Give, give the right-wing people a document, and they'll cherry-pick it. Give them the Bible, give them the Constitution, yes. give them the law, 
and uh, mm-hmm, they'll pick they'll mm-hmm. pick the parts that serve their interests and fuck the rest. It's like when I talk about you know what yeah. what are you gonna do if Bill Clinton's involved in the Epstein case? I'm like fucking send his ass to jail. What do you think I'm? A hundred percent. You think I'm? Oh, that's the difference between me and you. You think I'm you, honey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you think I'm you? No. Like I'm over here yeah, saying no. hundred percent. No Democrats go to jail for you know raping kids. No, I'm I'm for it. Come on. Fuck you. I hate yes. that. I'm sorry. All right. Now, here's uh, a speaking of Epstein, a federal judge has delayed the unsealing of one of the depositions in Epstein's former girlfriend and alleged accomplice, uh, you know, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell, to allow her. (laughs) They're allowing her time to appeal its release. So basically what happened was yesterday she did a last minute like they're going to release everything today, all the depositions and all. This is from the 2017 uh, case that was settled in 2017 with Jufre. And yes. and so they were going to release her deposition, a bunch of other documents and a bunch of other depositions. And she did a last minute filing. Please, no. And the judge said, fuck you. I'm doing it tomorrow. And then she made another plea. And and the judge said, OK, you can have till Monday to discuss your concerns with the oh. appellate court. But all the other documents and depositions are going to come out. It's just hers. And this is U.S. District Judge right. Loretta Presca. She denied uh Ghislaine's request to block the release uh of of depositions from a 2016 civil lawsuit uh but like I said delayed the unsealing until Monday so Maxwell could ask that court to review the matter and that's according to court documents mm-hmm. the deposition Maxwell's legal team is fighting to keep sealed is connected to a 2015 defamation case brought by Jufre like I said who claimed Epstein sexually abused her while she was a minor and that Maxwell aided in the abuse um the case was settled uh, in 2017 we don't have any information on that but yeah. we're waiting today uh, and i think they have until 11 59 uh tonight oh boy to release those things well correct me if i'm wrong but this is like it's a pretty small window right like i mean yes she she, she did say okay you could take it to an appellate court but that's a pretty small right it's pretty pretty small give on her part yeah and i i'm on the judges part. i'm a little confused too because i thought that that was an appeal and it was denied and so i think she wants to right. give her time to maybe appeal it to a higher authority give it to a higher court but she's given her till monday to to discuss the right. matter with the appellate court which it's uh, i don't know it's yeah. confusing but the whole thing is just it, the whole thing is just kind of reeks you know because it's like all right, she gets this treatment, and I'm not even saying it's preferential, but I'm saying, like, she gets time to discuss with her people, like, you know, how they want to go about, like, keeping these documents that that may paint her in a bad light away from the people. Like, it's just, I don't know if they would afford, they afford, you know, a black person this, this kind of treatment or a Latinx person or any other kind of minority. I don't know. It's just really so bizarre. No. I, 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 in fact, you know, that, that question came up to Bill Barr when he was asked about his commutation of Roger Stone and his interference right. in the Flynn sentencing recommendation and his, you know, backing up to get Judge Flynn's case dismissed. And they're like, of all the cases you've presided over, can you tell me one other one, any <sighs> other case yeah. where the defendant pleaded yeah. guilty twice and you uh submitted a document a briefing asking for the case to be dismissed one just name one just one other thing yeah. even if it's a white dude any other white dude nobody no one 
Okay. In crickets. Yeah. I mean, that was like my favorite line of questioning the whole day because mm-hmm. it really put him, you know, he's got this weird, and I know we're not really talking about Barb, but he's got this weird um, ability to just kind of, I, I don't know, make everything seem so normal. Like he, he himself looks like a perfectly logical person. And, but, but then you realize he's doing these horrible things and you're like, oh wait, maybe this is what, Maybe this is how people, like, get, you know, hoodwinked into, like, falling for schemes. Because when when I was watching his Senate approval uh, hearing, you know, way back when, um, I don't know. I I didn't buy it, but I was like, oh, okay, well, it doesn't seem like this guy is going to be tampered with. And here we are. He's he's the one doing the tampering. Mm. Yeah, and of course he's got this nonchalant. What? So what? Why should I? Meh. Like, mm-hmm. meh. why should I? He literally said that. I mean, I'm like, oh the god. Fuck you, attitude towards the like his job, and and of course then yeah. there was just the way, just his demeanor when he was being questioned yeah. by uh, Democrats, specifically women, specifically people of color, and especially mm-hmm. women of color. He was just like. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, hand on the side of his face, leaning his chin down, be like, mm-hmm, yeah, well, uh-huh, whatever. Like when Escobar was talking to him or, or Jayapal, and, you, yeah. and, you're, and you're just like, why are you such a fucking dickhead? Like if I, I, I talked to Ellie Honig yeah. yesterday, and he was like, if I was his lawyer, I'd be like, look, you can keep saying whatever you want to say, but could you not just <laughs> look like a, like a fucking asshole? literally give give them like a give these dudes a taste of their own medicine like smile honey it'll make you look a little more appealing Gosh. i used to have to my boss used to have to tell me because in meetings uh at work yeah. if somebody was saying something dumb i would have this look on my face like uh <laughs> and my boss would have to elbow me like straight face straight face <laughs> that is amazing yeah it's it's rough it's really hard when people are you know, um, th- this this sort of like what's the word? Is it brash or, or you know, or brassy or sassy? Like you're in front of like live cameras. This is gonna be seen by millions of people, and you really don't give one single fuck. It's or it would be a talent if it wasn't so evil. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. He's but he is steeped and dripping with evil. One last evil story that yes. just came across my desk. Uh, here because I have a desk and stories that come across it because I'm <laughs> older. Uh, there's a uh, Ken Klippenstein uh, got a couple of documents, internal documents from the Department of Homeland Security, internal legal guidance, and he's put this out in the nation. Uh, and if this apparently this, and I'm looking at the legal guidance right now, it uh, tells officers from the Department of Homeland Security they would not be held liable for tear gassing journalists. As long oh as they weren't directly targeted. Now, of course, Bill Barr has denied using tear gas. Right, right. Isn't it illegal or like against, you know, the rules? Yeah, it's against the Geneva Convention. I, apparently it's cool. Right, right. Not that they give a shit about that, yeah. It's cool with him. But yeah, it says, if a journalist or legal observer is incidentally exposed to crowd control devices after remaining in the area, you will not be held liable. Um, incidentally means that wow. the journalists or legal observers, while not the target of the crowd control devices, still end up being exposed to the crowd control devices because of where they are located. So you shoot a tear gas canister. Uh, is <sighs> only the person right. that it landed closest to the one that you're liable for hurting? Like, I don't even understand that fucking concept, especially, wait, hold on, get the member when Barr said yesterday about the arrests 
of, of yeah. you know, anonymous officers snatching people up off the streets of Portland. Yeah. He said, well, if you're in proximity to other wrongdoers, then that's probable cause. So it works for him on that to violate people's Fourth Amendment rights. But on right. this, it's cool. We need to get AG up there asking these questions because, <laughs> you know, honestly, this is just if, if you were writing. OK, so I this is my only point of reference. I'm an actor. What do I know? But if you are writing like the worst Hallmark movie of all time, right, about this and you're like, I know the villain's going to do this. He's going to put out a memo that's you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. says like, well, if the so and so just so happens to be caught in the in the tear gas, like this was this idea wouldn't even be green it like not even straight i know to i can't even like, imagine pitching too... it like oh but yeah no, but it's then too crazy but then they do a close-up on his face the guy who issued the memo and you hear dun 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 come on it'll be great <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. be great yeah you'd be laughed out of the fucking yeah. pitch room you truly, truly would and it's just it just keeps getting worse and worse and like uh, and and i don't and i don't know i mean at this point you know we've got earthquakes we've got murder hornets we go what else we got we got a pandemic i mean is this the end of times? Like, I just need someone to read up on whatever literature we have on the end of times and let us know. Well, we got to hold on, prop each other up, because I, I, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yes. It always gets darkest before at the, the dawn. end of the night. Or, or, yes, before the dawn. Did I just say it always gets darkest at the end of the night? I just totally <laughs> rewrote that. <laughs> It always is, listen, the night always gets the darkest before it's over. So just know that. I love that. Like AG's new sayings. Yeah, um, I'm going to hang it up next to like, but first coffee in my kitchen. Um, but we have we have an end, you know, goal. We only have what, 90, what'd you say, 97 days until election day? 96. 96. 96? Yeah. So it's going to be, ooh, it's going to be hard, but it's the last bit of the sprint and we, or the last bit of the marathon. I'm mixing all the metaphors, but we can do it. (laughs) We'll get the baseball across the goal line. (laughs) And then have a good night's sleep for the first time in five years. Absolutely. And, and I, I do have to warn you though, after the election, those three months that he's still in office could be pretty gross too. So just hang on, buckle up. We'll be here for you. Amy, thanks for joining me today for the headlines. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Everybody, stick around. We're going to take a quick break, but we have more headlines. I know there's more. I'm sorry. But we do have more right after this, so stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, this is AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. These days, many of us are focusing on, uh, you know, our health and staying safe and boosting our immune system. So it's important to eat healthy and exercise, but it's also important to kind of stay home and socially distance. And that's why I don't like to go to, you know, crowded grocery stores. That's why I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door, and it's a perfect and tasty solution for these times. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient because everything is pre-portioned for you. It's ready to prep and cook, and you can enjoy a full, delicious dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes. It's so easy. And and this is no matter how good you are in the kitchen. I'm terrible in the kitchen, but these always turn out perfect. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can try stuff like frisé salad with pancetta, avocado, and soft-cooked eggs, mm, Spanish sole, Uh, with tomato cucumber salad and blueberry apricot pork chops with sautéed kale. You can order from any recipes across the menu. You can skip a week if you need to or double up on your favorite. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level 
uh, of food and employee safety. They reinforce strict adherence to operating procedures, and they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you, your family, and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. Go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans, and don't forget to enter co- promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, that's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. A couple other headlines from today. Herman Cain, a one-time Republican presidential candidate, former CEO of Godfather's Pizza, you'll know him as that, he has died from coronavirus. And this is according to an obituary sent from his verified Twitter account uh, and Newsmax, where he was launching a television show. Um, Cain was 74. He'd been hospitalized earlier this month. And his Twitter account said this week he was doing well and being treated with oxygen in his lungs. It is unknown where Kane contracted the coronavirus, though he was present at um, Donald Trump's ra- uh, rally in Tulsa and has been an advocate for not wearing a mask. And also, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is resting comfortably in a New York City hospital after undergoing a medical procedure to replace a bile duct stent, a little bile duct stent maintenance. Uh, that stent was placed last year, um, and that's according to the Supreme Court. Quote, Justice Ginsburg underwent a minimally invasive non-surgical procedure today at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City to revise a bile duct stent that was originally placed at Sloan Kettering in August 2019. And that's from the statement from the court Wednesday night. According to her doctors, stent revisions are common occurrences, and the procedure performed using an endoscopy and medical imaging guidance was done to minimize the risk of future infections. The justice is resting comfortably and expects to be released from the hospital by the end of the week. And John Lewis, the conscience of the Congress, was laid to rest today. Uh, Former Presidents Bush, Clinton, and Obama all spoke at his memorial service, and it was absolutely inspiring with all three, along with the Speaker of the House and many, many others, encouraging us to continue the march and to get into good trouble. Let's hear a clip from what Obama had to say. President Clinton didn't have to because it was the law when he arrived. So instead, he made a law to make it easier for people to register to vote. But once the Supreme Court weakened the Voting Rights Act, some state legislators unleashed a flood of laws designed specifically to make voting harder, especially, by the way, state legislators where there's a lot of minority turnout and population growth. That's not necessarily a mystery or an accident. It was an attack on what John fought for. It was an attack on our democratic freedoms. And we should treat it as such. If politicians want to honor John, and and, and I'm so grateful for the legacy and work of all the congressional leaders who are here, but there's a better way than a statement calling him a hero. You want to honor John? Let's honor him by revitalizing the law that he was willing to die for.
And by the way, naming it the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, that is a fine tribute. But John wouldn't want us to stop there, just trying to get back to where we already were. Once we pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we should keep marching to make it even better by making sure every American is automatically registered to vote, including former inmates who've earned their second chance. By adding polling places and expanding early voting and making Election Day a national holiday so if you are somebody who's working in a factory or you're a single mom who's got to go to her job and doesn't get time off, you can still cast your ballot by guaranteeing that every American citizen has equal representation in our government, including the American citizens who live in Washington, D.C. and in Puerto Rico. They're Americans. by ending some of the partisan gerrymandering so that all voters have the power to choose their politicians, not the other way around. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. Now, Even if we do all this, even if every bogus voter suppression law is struck off the books today, we've got to be honest with ourselves that too many of us choose not to exercise the franchise. Too many of our citizens believe their vote won't make a difference, or they buy into the cynicism that, by the way, is the central strategy of voter suppression, to make you discouraged, to stop believing in your own power. So we're also going to have to remember what John said. If you don't do everything you can do to change things, then they will remain the same. You only pass this way once. You have to give it all you have. As long as young people are protesting in the streets, hoping real change takes hold, I'm hopeful, but we can't casually abandon them at the ballot box. Not when few elections have been as urgent on so many levels as this one. We can't treat voting as an errand to run if we have some time. We have to treat it as the most important action we can take on behalf of democracy. And like John, we have to give it all we have. I was proud that John Lewis was a friend of mine. I met him when I was in law school. He came to speak. And I went up and I said, Mr. Lewis, you are one of my heroes. 
What inspired me more than anything as a young man was to see what you and Reverend Lawson, Bob Moses, Diane Nash, and others did. And he got that kind of, aw shucks, thank you very much. <laughs> Next time I saw him, I'd been elected to the United States Senate. And I told him, John, you, I'm here because of you. And on Inauguration Day in 2008, 2009, um, he was one of the first people I greeted and hugged on that stand. And I told him, this is your day, too. He was a good and kind and gentle man. And he believed in us, even when we don't believe in ourselves. And it's fitting that the last time John and I shared a public forum was on Zoom. And I'm pretty sure neither he nor I set up the Zoom call because we didn't know how to work it. There's a virtual town hall with a gathering of young activists who had been helping to lead this summer's demonstrations in the wake of George Floyd's, uh, George Floyd's death. And afterwards, I spoke to John privately, and he could not have been prouder to see this new generation of activists standing up for freedom and equality a new generation that was intent on voting and protecting the right to vote. Uh, in some cases, a new generation running for political office. And I, I told him, all those young people, John, of every race and every religion, from every background and gender and sexual orientation, John, those are your children. They learned from your example even if they didn't always know it. They had understood through him what American citizenship requires, even if they'd only heard about his courage through the history books. By the thousands, faceless, anonymous, relentless young people, black and white, have taken our whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the Founding Fathers in the formulation of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Dr. King said that in the 1960s, and it came true again this summer. We see it outside our windows in big cities and rural towns, in men and women, young and old, straight Americans and LGBTQ Americans, blacks who long for equal treatment and whites who can no longer accept freedom for themselves while witnessing the subjugation of their fellow Americans. We see it in everybody doing the hard work of overcoming complacency 
of overcoming our own fears and our own prejudices, our own hatreds. You see it in, in people trying to be better, truer versions of ourselves. And that's what John Lewis teaches us. That's where real courage comes from, not from turning on each other, but by turning towards one another, not by sowing hatred and division, but by spreading love and truth. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by FitBod. I know many of us are stuck at home and might not be exercising as much as we should be, me included. But during this pandemic, it's more important now than ever that we get moving and we don't neglect our health and our fitness. Uh, it's really so important for mental health. Uh, whether you're new to the gym or you've been lifting weights for years, it can be hard to find the right workout program to stick to. But with FitBod, you can get truly personalized fitness programs that adapt as you go. FitBot is a smart fitness app, and it takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts because their algorithms factor in your goals and your experience, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery to intelligently craft the perfect total body workout program just for you. And with each workout, the app learns your abilities and plans workouts designed to maximize your results. I love that FitBod cycles new exercises into the mix, keeping workouts fun and fresh. They keep it balanced, too, and they never, like, they'll never overwork a muscle group and then make you do it the next day. There's always enough recovery time for your muscles. Uh, and the variety of the workouts is changing so and rotating, so you don't get bored. And for that reason, I've stuck with it much longer than I do with other exercise plans. With FitBot, I'm always looking forward to the next workout. I can already see results. It's super easy to use, and they have each, like HD video tutorials to make sure you're you know learning a new exercise is a breeze. It's perfect for anyone who's looking to get better fitness results, whether your goal is general fitness. My goal is just feeling better, mental health. Uh, or you could do strength, strength training, bodybuilding, whatever you need. And if you don't have any equipment, don't worry about it. They have body weight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go. And it integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be expensive, but FitBod's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. Get personalized fitness plans that help you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Again, that's one free month when you sign up. Just go to fitbod.me slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. So we have some pretty big news in the, or at least rare news, not big to us because we expected it. And this is in the Michael Flynn case, as called by the co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, real life lawyer, my friend, Andrew Torres. Andrew, I know you're busy, so thanks for taking time to speak with me today. Oh, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for pointing out one of the rare instances where something I predicted actually happened. Um, always good to do that. I mean, I did, yeah. I did call both the Kavanaugh and Gorsuch appointments in advance. So I, I feel good about that, but you know, I've been on a bit of a losing streak lately. So, and, and not only did you call what we're about to go over, but you called that it would be judge Sullivan that filed, uh, for the rehear. And, and so could you explain uh, what this, you know, just you do your thing. You're good at this. <laughs> tell us, tell us what happened today and, and, and why it's rare and awesome. What we have today is an order from the entire D.C. Circuit, which has agreed to rehear en banc the 2-1 Naomi Rao decision that you and I have uh, kvetched about for, I think, 67 hours together, that um, 
that that granted, I, inexplicably granted, uh, Michael Flynn's request for a writ of mandamus, telling Judge Sullivan that he must dismiss the case. A couple really, really important things here that that are maybe a little bit nuanced, right? The first is um, the procedural posture in, in, in which this arose that we talked about. Um, it, it was not clear to me, like I thought it was still more likely than not, uh, that the D.C. Circuit was going to say uh, it was valid for Judge Sullivan to file uh, the petition to to rehear the case on bunk. Um, but there's a non-zero chance that they would have said, like, look, you're not properly a party. We were helped by this, by the fact mm -hmm. that neither the government uh, nor Sidney Powell, for, for obvious reasons, made the best arguments on standing. So good thing they're not Daily Beans or opening arguments listeners. <laughs> um, so, uh, so number one, um, no procedural irregularity with a judge who was invited to file a response than petitioning for a review on bunk. That's as far as I know, unique. It never, ever happened before. Um, really interesting that it happened in this case. Secondly, to rehear en banc, that is by the full D.C. Circuit, that's unlike uh, a grant of certiorari by the Supreme Court, right? Like you only need four votes out of nine for the Supreme Court to hear a case, uh, to, to take a case on certiorari. So oftentimes, the, whether the court grants cert is no prediction about how they're going to rule. To rehear something on bonk takes a majority vote of the judges and is a very, very strong indicator that a majority of the court took a look at Naomi Rao's opinion and was like, oh, hell no. And that's a <laughs> look that they, they should because that opinion is bonkers, right? It, it's it, garbage. It's a garbage it, opinion. It's, it's terrible. Um, th third point um, this is when I say expedited, right? Oral argument is scheduled for 9.30 a.m. a week from Tuesday, August 11th. Um, no time for briefing, right? So in other words, um, whether the parties submit briefs, you know, sort of tweak the briefs that they've already filed, the order does not anticipate that. Um, and, uh, so and that sort of means like we got everything we need. Yeah. And and the oral argument is directed, and this is this is the last point, and it's really really significant. It says the party should be prepared to address whether there are quote no other adequate means to attain the relief desired. End of quote. Ah, yep. that was one of the arguments, the bullshit arguments that uh, that yep, Powell made. It, 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 but but here's why it's a, here's why it's really really important because as we've talked about, mandamus is an exceptional remedy. Right. And this case is about the worst possible scenario in which you could imagine, stripped of its political context, a court granting mandamus. So, uh, again, kind of uh, uh, basic, right? Like the root of mandamus is mandate. That is, you have to do this thing. And you therefore only get mandamus when the underlying governmental agent has zero discretion. Right. So, clear example of that. The statute says uh, the IG must transmit this report to Congress within 30 days. 30 days passes. He doesn't transmit it. You go to court and you say, I want a writ of mandamus to tell that asshole to transmit the report, right? He's got no discretion. He's got to do it in 30 days. And the court says, yup, um, there's no discretion. We're granting mandamus. 
One of the additional restrictions that makes mandamus an exceptional remedy is, in addition to proving there's no discretion, which, by, which again, by the way, you can't prove that here, right? Like Rule 48A says, with leave of court. Leave means discretion. Like, it's just, it's so basic. Um, but, but additionally, like, equally strong as an argument is you don't get mandamus when there are other ways to get what you want from the court, right? That's also part of what extraordinary means in the legal context. Hey, if you could get this in some other way, don't come here asking us for mandate, right? Mandamus is for the weird. Right. And that was our that was our discussion where we were like, hey, you still haven't even heard if Judge Sullivan's going to dismiss the case. And so since that is an avenue for you to get what you want, you can't have this it, mandamus. It, you could argue, and I, and I mean this uh, A, sincerely, and B, with no insult. Um, you could take the oral argument on behalf of Judge Sullivan here and and say that and sit down, right? Like literally all, 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 that, uh, all that Beth has to do is get up and say, yep, uh, no other adequate means to attain the relief. Here's a real good way. Uh, Judge Sullivan might grant the Rule 48A motion. All this decision says is we're not even going to let him decide not to grant it. So uh, why don't we wait and see what he does? And then if he grants the motion, you know what they'll have, a right to appeal. And, and, and seriously, like, I kind of feel like my work, you know, like, do a George Costanza, like leave on a high note, be like, yeah, that's it. Peace, we're <laughs> out of here. Um, I, I have no idea. I, I, I honestly am saying this. Um, Naomi Rao's opinion, panel opinion, is so bad that that like it doesn't really squarely address that that proposition head on, right? Um, I, no, I, it doesn't. I, it just sort of goes to this ending where she's like, and that's the truth, yeah. <laughs> and like there's no connective tissue, there's no argument. Yep. And so I, I do not know. I am look. I am positive Sidney Powell will come up with some batshit crazy QAnon theory uh, and will, you know, advance that in her oral argument. I have no idea what the government is going to say here because they're stuck, right? Like it, it, you would have to concede because they're in a double bind, right? Like either they concoct an argument that's not in the panel opinion, right? At which point you say, oh, well, that's that's kind of clever. Um, sort of seems like you're conceding that the panel got it wrong, right? Uh, or you say, yeah, we stand on what the panel opinion says, in which you're like, um, and so what's the answer to Cheney? That case is called Cheney v. U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. It's a 2004 uh, opinion. Um, and and you would say, uh, respectfully, Your Honor, there is no answer to that in the opinion. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a slam dunk as far as I'm concerned. That being said... Mm -hmm. I've been wrong on other stuff before, but um, <laughs> but but I, I I feel good. And again, it's one of those. I mean, the the biggest tell is right. On bank review is not like certiorari, right? It's not the kind of thing that you do because you think like uh, you want everybody to wait. It is something where a majority of the court is persuaded that. Uh, okay, this is this is this is something that needs to be reviewed by all of us, um, and and that is as strong an indication as you can get that that they're planning to reverse. Yeah, and a big hint in that is, and I I remember speaking to you about this before it happened, and I said, now does that mean that automatically once this you know if they decide to rehear it, does that vacate the lower court ruling? Yes, it does. Yes, and it, it does. actually <laughs> says that in the order, and and. Uh, it's it's true, uh, at least from my understanding, that 
once the second that the full court decides to he- rehear the case on Bonk, that lower court decision is is vacated because what what the full court decides now is going to be the decision. Now, of course, it can be appealed again, right? Uh, but uh, but that's you know the the vacating of that lower court ruling sort of lends to that argument as well. And here's the other fun thing. If 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 Sidney Powell wanted to argue Brady violations, Bill Barr fucked that up for her yesterday, <laughs> didn't he? Oh my gosh, could we do six or seven hours just you and me on Barr's testimony? <laughs> um, that was that was unbelievable. Yeah, it it it, it again. Um, he testified under oath that there were no Brady violations in the yep, Flynn case. Yep, word word for word, and and look like that that ties into the overall message that that you and I continue to get out with our respective shows, right? Which is, hey, hey, look, things are bad right now. We're not, we are not sugarcoating that. Um, but, but our institutions are not irrevocably gone. The law is not just completely made up and doesn't matter anymore, right? Like there are ways to try and salvage the damage that's being done despite the full frontal assault by, by, by the, uh, by the Trump administration, right? So like, that's not to say things aren't bad. It is to say that things are not irrevocably broken. And this is this is a really, really good indication of that. Um, more more good stuff. Um, you can uh, and and it is not uncommon, particularly in high profile cases, for judges to write uh, a dissent to uh, a, a, a per curiam order like this, granting rehearing on bonk, um, and say no, 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 like the per curiam order, like the the panel order was fine. Um, no judge did that, right? Um, so, uh, you know, that also tells me something. Um, nobody was like, I don't think we should rehear it. No one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no one said that. Oh, no. cool. So, uh, so, so there we go. And, and look, uh, again, you know, it kind of goes back to when I came on and, and discussed the, the real reason I'm happy about this is because it makes my amicus brief relevant again. Um, yes, that's and... what I was. That's why I wanted to bring you on because here comes your amicus brief yeah. knocking at the door again. Yeah, look, Barr's Barr's testimony, in addition to locking him down on uh, Brady violations in this case, um, Barr's testimony also in numerous places. Um, if you're paying attention, suggests that like maybe we should take a, a closer look at how decisions are being made at DOJ, right? And that's within Judge Sullivan's discretion to just say, hey man, I want to figure out a little bit more about how the government came to this conclusion, right? It, I've suggested that, uh, that that you know the court should invite a filing from Brandon Van Grack, right? Like at minimum. They should get written answers from the government as to why Van Grack left. Right? He's he's withdrawn from the case. The court, I I think it would be within their uh, inherent powers to to subpoena him to uh, to order him to to, to show up. Um, that would be another unprecedented thing, and Judge Sullivan probably wouldn't take that course. Although, like again, you know, you're sort of you're in for a penny, in for a pound at this point, right? Like he he's already blazed, you know, new trails. Uh, in in several areas of law, so uh, so maybe he'll do that. But like, let's stop. I know I'm the law guy, but like, let, let, let's just look at it from a social perspective. Like, wouldn't you like to know why the the 
Department of Justice moved to dismiss this case, and then the line prosecutor, the person you would expect to be making that, right? Like their argument is based on prosecutorial discretion. The guy exercising that discretion is like, I can't even be in the same building with you people right now <laughs> on the same day. Like, I would want to know that. And, and, and like, that's one of the cool things about being a judge is that when you really want to know something, like, you can usually find a way to make that happen. So, yeah, I feel good. Yeah. Well, two, two things, too, just real quick to explain. Uh, and I'll, I'll just do this real quick. The Brady stuff is, is Sidney Powell saying all this exculpatory <laughs> evidence was being withheld by the government. All this stuff, all this evidence that says Michael Flynn is innocent. And that's called exculpatory evidence. And if you don't, as the prosecutor, hand in exculpatory evidence, you are committing a Brady violation. And Sullivan is a lion on Brady violations. He fucking hates that when that shit happens. But, you know, in this particular case... Bill Barr testified yesterday, no, there's no Brady violations, so she's fucked on that argument. And then I wanted to ask you about the appeal, because there, I assume there will be an appeal. I, here, let's, let's play this out. I, all my beans are on the fact that they're going to uh, find in favor of Judge Sullivan and allow this to go forward. And I think Flynn and the DOJ or Flynn, you know, will appeal this to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's next session isn't until October, uh, and we wouldn't get the decisions until after the election if they heard it, unless they just rejected to hear it at all, uh, or, you know, fast-tracked it or something, but uh, or like it was an emergency hearing to stay something. But that sort of puts Trump uh, up against the election to force him to pardon Flynn if he if he's not going to be around after that. I mean, I guess he would be around till January uh, when, you know, and I, I'm not sure when that decision would come out, but it certainly puts it up, you know, on the, on the deadline. I could not have said any of that any better myself. So first on the Brady stuff, you're a hundred percent right. That stems from a Supreme court case called Brady versus Maryland, which says when the prosecutor has exculpatory evidence, they are required to, to turn that over to defense counsel. Um, the reason that that wasn't a big shock for me is because Judge Sullivan ruled on Brady violations in December of 2019. It was like a 180 page decision and it was 180 pages of this is nonsense. So um, it's kind of nice to know that Bill Barr uh, agrees with that. Point two on the timing. Yeah, if you're Sidney Powell, you have a, 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 a political question that that you that, right that, that that's going to determine whether you appeal the en banc ruling, which again, given that they fast track this, you know, they, the hearing is going to be August 11. I, I wouldn't be surprised to get uh, the en banc decision within a week after that, right? I mean, that would be light speed, but this was kind of light speed. So um, you're talking mid August uh, or late August. And then you have the question of, do you take the risk of filing uh, a petition for certiorari to the Supreme Court, which they could decline to fast track? And if if John Roberts and the you know leaked reports on Brett Kavanaugh are to be believed, <laughs> right, you, you could see six or seven Supreme Court justices being like, yeah, you know what, um, Michael Flynn isn't in prison. There's no harm to him as an individual. Uh, I don't see why we can't address this in the ordinary course. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll distribute it for conference in October. Talk to you then. Um, and if that happens, as you point out, you are 
um, legally speaking, well and truly fucked if you're Sidney Powell, right? Um, so, so it wouldn't surprise me if you get an adverse ruling if they don't just accept that and then argue on the merits uh, in front of Judge Sullivan and try and take a better crack uh, at the D.C. Circuit on the merits, where, where again, look, like their argument their argument on the merits of the appeal would be much stronger than their argument was for mandamus, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a crazy argument. I think it's wrong. It's why I filed an amicus. But it's it's not a crazy argument to say, under these facts, Rule 48A motions, the approval of the court should be cabined to very, very narrow circumstances that are not present here. And therefore, it was an abusive discretion. Now, appealing a judge's decision on an abusive discretion standard is a really, really high burden to carry in the appellate court. So the point on all of that is that um, this really puts Sidney Powell in a box. Um, the one thing that may save her is um, that the D.C. Circuit is, you know, while it is more liberal than many other circuits, um, it is it is a pretty centrist court uh, by ideology and temperament, right? Um, and you think of judges like Sri Srinivasavan and, and Merrick Garland, right? These are not Diane Wood, right? These are not sort of on uh, the vanguard of, you know, progressive legal thought. They are calm, measured, centrist. And I could see a D.C. Circuit opinion that reverses, but then says, uh, you know, gives strong guidance to Sullivan and says, we're going to remand, we're going to let you decide under 48A, but these are the principles that should apply under 48A mm. um, and really sort of strongly tips its hand. That's not an impossible result. That would be a bad result. Um, mm. It's not an impossible result. Um, but yeah. if they just, if they issue a narrow opinion that says, in this case, uh, we are reversing because uh, mandamus is procedurally not appropriate here, which is what it, where it looks like they're going, um, then, you know, <laughs> you and I will be covering this for quite a while. Mm. And you know what's weird? If Flynn had just kept his Covington Burlings and lawyers and uh, testified at the Bijan Keon trial and taken his lumps, uh, he might be out of jail by now already. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I don't understand because it's not this isn't a stone situation where Flynn yeah. is threatening to come out and expose the president if he doesn't get his sentence commuted or whatever. Yeah. I don't understand this gargantuan waste of money unless it's being funded by Trump through six shell companies uh, for political purposes. But I just don't understand. He'd be out right now. I mean, he wouldn't be able to go anywhere because the president's a fucking idiot and we have COVID-19 everywhere. But <laughs> he'd be out or at least on home arrest with the rest of the fucking privileged ass criminals. I don't understand. It and And again, hard agree on all of that. And you omit it, right? Like, Stone was set to serve three and a half years in jail. The sentencing recommendation for Flynn was zero to six months, right? And now look, like... Amended yes. by Barr to say just right. probation, please. But he... Right. Yep, yep. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt. Like, that's... You're, you, <laughs> you are doubly correct, right? Like, it's it's super... Which he denied, were... which he denied yesterday. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't... We didn't change his sentencing recommendation. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. I feel like Pulp Fiction. Yes, you did, Brad. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, it, it's it is truly bewildering. I I I offer this because it it's something that 
hadn't occurred to me until I read John Bolton's awful book. Okay. So don't read John Bolton's book. But but one of the things that was just kind of a like smack me in the face moment was when John Bolton was like, well, the president obviously believes the like turkey crowd strike conspiracy theory. And, and you were just like, what? Wait, what? Like, and and, and it, 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 it's so repeated. And then you stop and you think about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, our president is a narcissistic dipshit. Like, of mm. course, he believes these conspiracy theories. So um, Michael Flynn was, you know, Mr. Lock her up. Screw, like, it is entirely possible that, like, the reason is not political calculation, but just Michael Flynn has spent so much time immersed hanging around other dipshits that like he, he you know it makes it that like he's buying into this conspiracy theory that like so he's he's buying what Sidney Powell is shoveling to mix a metaphor there right like mm. I, it's possible that there's no that there's no larger strategy here that it's just uh you spend enough time around QAnon dipshits and all of a sudden like you know your brain gets melted mm-hmm. um yeah. possibility I know when we read the Manafort Hannity uh, tw- texts, also we call them the Manatee texts. Uh, <laughs> they sounded like they actually believed their own bullshit. So you know, maybe that's the I, thing. It's you know, it's the fundamental Alex Jones question, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, where where does the persona end and reality pick up? And and with these people, it's tough to tell. Mm, so. Yeah, Schrodinger's Schrodinger's conspiracy theory. Uh, Art, well, thank you very much for explaining that to us. I really appreciate it. Everybody, you have to check out the Opening Arguments podcast with Andrew Torres as co-host. Thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks always for having me on. But uh, you didn't need me today at all. Like, everything you said was 100% correct. So I was just here to be your yes man. Yeah, but when I talk to myself, I sound crazy. So, yeah, well. Here you are. Uh, but thank you. No, I do appreciate it. There's a couple of things that I didn't know that you had brought up uh, about, especially about the certiorari, um, et cetera. So I, I do appreciate it. And uh, everybody, again, check out Opening Arguments. We'll be right back after this quick break. We have the good news block for you, I swear. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. CBD is wildly popular these days. It's popping up in everything from coffee and smoothies to supplements and even pet treats. So if you're wondering who you can trust and how to tell what's good for you and what's not, I'm, tell- I'm happy to tell you that Sunsoil CBD has everything, all the answers. Don't even worry about it. They are all about transparency and quality control, and that's what sets them apart from the rest. With Sunsoil, you know what's in every bottle and exactly where it came from, so there's no second guessing because they only use ingredients you can understand. Most of their products have just two, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. And they farm all their own hemp in their green mountain farms of Vermont. And they extract the CBD themselves so they can test for quality and purity at every step of the way. They never use pesticides, they never use GMOs, they never use herbicides. And because they do everything in-house and they keep their products simple and clean, they can offer the highest quality CBD at unbeatable prices. In fact, Sunsoil products are generally half the price of other ingestible CBD brands. And every Sunsoil product is USDA organic certified, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and their coconut oil. Uh, I like to put a few oil drops in my morning coffee or in my protein shake after my workout, or I take a soft gel at night before getting some awesome sleep. And one of the best things about Sunsoil is that as the largest CBD manufacturer to partner with 1% for the planet, they are going to be donating 1% of Sunsoil's annual sales to help environmental nonprofits that do good for people, plants, and the planet. I love that. So Sunsoil removes all the guesswork by making pure and simple CBD products at unbeatable prices. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash dailybeans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash dailybeans for 30% off your first order.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Finally, it's time for the good news of the day, and it could not have come sooner. I mean, it could have. We could have put it at the front of the show, but then it would have been a bummer at the end. Uh, so I'm going to go. Oh, I'm here with Jordan Coburn. Jordan, hello. Hey. Hey. It felt I like I wasn't here for a second. Face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown so accustomed to being recognized. I'm like, hey, I'm here, God damn it. Hey. <laughs> All entitled to, Wait my, a minute. to my own presence here. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord well um we've got some really great submissions and we got more pictures and i'm really excited to get to those but i won't scroll down quite yet so why don't i just kick it off we have so much uh good news so i'll start from anonymous pronoun she her three months ago you read my quarantine confession about my ileostomy which means pooping from my small intestine into a bag on my waist and being thankful for the quarantine while i have to wear my bag of uncontrollable poop a little side story confession for Jordan first. Yay. Uh, I need to adhere to a strict meal regimen. You're all about butts. And cannot leave home with uh, within at least two hours of eating. All meals have been consumed at home, so I can empty my bag a minimum of seven times following meals. And including setting my alarm twice overnight. Ugh. The few times I have left the house for an extended period of time, I skipped eating altogether. I take a two-hour road trip once or twice a month and was mostly successful in skipping meals. My last trip, however, I drank my breakfast at 6.30 a.m., expecting a 10.30 a.m. departure to be clean. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Halfway there, I could feel my bag filling up and up and up. Oh, God! So I pulled out the freeway between metro areas, and there happened to be a random Starbucks there uh, with the parking lot completely blocked by the drive through <laughs> line. Not that I would have made it into the restroom. I literally pulled in to the ditch on the side of the teeny drive, grabbed my emergency kit from the back seat. I carry a small pitcher with a super duper thick plastic seal bag and folded around the edge with my kitty litter inside. <laughs> I slipped my leggings down to my ankles, kept my overflowing ostomy bag from bursting open. I successfully poured the watery containment into the pitcher, sealed it well, and sealed it again in another bag and got onto the road and made the remaining 30 minute drive before tossing it all in the trash can. <laughs> my good news. <laughs> That's just uh, okay. So that's the <laughs> kick up. That's the that's the setup. To here's the here's the punchline. My good news is that I met with my surgeon, and my reversal surgery is scheduled for September 9th. Yay! Also, y'all shows are jam packed right now and go by so fast with all the news you cover. Your expert interviews are exactly what I need to keep my knowledge well rounded. I wrote last time that I'm even turning off NPR for the podcast and was admonished by AG. I don't always. Uh, but it is so refreshing when you all find the sweet spot of swearing off the bad uh, and maintaining a positive attitude. <laughs> so thank you. I was I admonished. Oh, I think I was angry that day. I wasn't admonished no, no, no. personally. No, no, no. You were um, no. You were saying like you feel guilty about someone turning off NPR. I think you're saying like don't do that. Oh, yeah, I wasn't angry. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. That was like don't turn off NPR for us. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh my gosh. I forgot that I said that. Thank you. Thank you for your for your poop vulnerability. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> and thank you for letting me laugh at the story that I imagine you were sharing because you knew that I would love it because I love details of those things. Which you did give details and uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> I love the litter. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. Um, uh. I feel like it, I, I love that you're able to, you know, take yourself like playfully enough to, to submit this confession. And uh, I'm really sorry, though, that you have to deal with the logistics of all of that. That sounds shitty. <laughs> Even though this is the good news block. Yes. Anonymous. She, her. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. If they submit that story in the good news block, I imagine it was meant to be read with a with a open comedic heart, um, which is at least how I'm interpreting mm. it. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but you're a badass though, and this is uh, mm-hmm. very enjoyable to read. Um, and we're we're right there. We're right there with you. And congrats on getting your surgery scheduled for September 9th. Yay! Mm. That'll be so cool. Yes. All right. Cool. I don't know if that's the best word to describe that, but you know what I mean. That'll be wonderful. <laughs> uh, next up from anonymous pronouns, he, him. He says, after five years of work, perseverance is on its way to Mars. Woo! All caps. Woo! Uh, with all the terrible things happening with the U.S. government, NASA is still going strong without any undue political influence. That's some pretty damn good news. Yeah, man, that's crazy Agreed. to imagine. Anytime you think about things happening in the sky, it really... I don't know if a distraction mm-hmm. is the right word. It's a different lens. It's a different lens to think about you know the entirety of like what's happening in the universe different perspective yes exactly i yeah. heard there was an amazing meteor shower also over the last couple of days my friend was talking to me about that oh i had i had one on my animal crossing island but i haven't heard about the one <laughs> uh, that's exactly <laughs> what they wanted ag or maybe they broadcast <laughs> it they knew everybody was playing animal crossing but didn't want them to miss out on it so they broadcast uh, bought <laughs> blah <laughs> <laughs> they 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 broadcasted a simulation for all of you to see it mm. in virtual space. I think so. That's wonderful. Hey, that was a short one. So read the next oh, one too. Oh, go for the thank next you. One. Okay. Uh, all right. Here we go. From anonymous, pronounce she her. Longtime patron here. So long that I was grandfathered in at the one dollar a month rate and never got around to changing it. Nice. AG's recent comment about knowing your worth was the kick in the butt I needed to increase my monthly oh, contribution no. and sponsor a patron and sponsor a patron. Holy shit. You rock. Uh, your lovely voices and hard work to keep us all informed and actively involved are more than worth it. Also, my husband and I recently decided that I will stay home with our toddler and infant instead of sending them back to daycare. Our toddler has been home since lockdowns began in March and our infant was born in May. Wow. Holy smokes. Quarantine, baby. Yes, congratulations. We realize how incredibly privileged we are to be able to make this choice during a pandemic, so we've committed to donating money that would have been used for daycare to worthy causes. Oh my gosh, that is so, so solid. That is such a solid decision. Mm. We call it investing in our children's futures. Leading up to the election, we've spent money to jo- or we've sent money to Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams' fair fight, and Pod Save America's Get Mitch or Die Trying. I'm also looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking at adding environmental and social justice causes along with bail funds to the mix. So suggestions are welcome. Trump's America is not the future today's kids deserve, so hopefully we can do our small part to make things a little brighter for the youngest generation. I'm looking forward to the Mary Trump Book Club. Thanks for all you do, and enjoy your much-earned vacation later this month. Thank you so much! That was such a sweet message! So many facets of good in that. I know. It's, it, it, that was, like, a jam-packed good news story. Yeah, it really was. And that is an inspirational move on your part to, I mean, because not only now with your decision, do you get to put more money into those causes that you're intentionally choosing to put them into, which is really dope, uh, the money into, you get to spend more time with your kids. And I'm not a parent, so fuck if I know how hard that is, but I imagine it is very difficult, but it will be like super rewarding mm. and pay off. Yes. I, I concur. And I think that it's so awesome that, you know, you're, and it's. I like how you're divesting in a portfolio of good causes. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. So, mm-hmm. well done. All right. Next up from Debbie, pronouns she, her. Oh, there's a picture. Okay. Uh, I've been listening 
Since the early days of MSW, I'm so grateful for your insight, humor, and righteous anger. As a resident of New York 21, uh, at least to Phonics District, I have had the added frustration of being regularly embarrassed by my congressional rep in addition to the COVID stuff. This podcast gets me through the day, so thank you. Uh, Yeah, Stephonic. I am a yoga teacher and own a yoga studio. Awesome. Which is still shut down because New York hasn't yet allowed fitness centers to open. So my business life is pretty sucky right now. I'm also a state licensed wildlife rehabilitator. And while I take care of other critters too, I specialize in caring for turtles who have been hit by cars while their shells heal. Oh my God, you're the best person ever. Uh, In early June, somebody brought me a dead painted turtle who had been crushed on the road. She could see the turtle was was gravid, carrying eggs, and I hoped, I guess that's pregnant for turtles, and hoped I could save them. Uh, All but one was broken, but I was able to extract that egg, and I set up my incubator and hoped for the best. Three days later, another painted turtle came out. This one survived her injuries and is still in my care. On the way here, she laid six eggs in the box she was being transported in. Those six went into the incubator, too. Fast forward to the good news. I'm sorry. All of that other stuff was good news, too. Okay. Fast forward to the good news. This past Sunday, while I was checking the eggs, one cracked open. Turtles do everything slowly, so it took a few days for them all to hatch. But today, there are seven new painted turtles in the world, and they're all super cute. I've been sharing pictures of the hatching process on Facebook and Twitter, spreading joy and turtle facts during these otherwise dark times. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter, at Debbie Phillips. Or Philp, excuse me, D-E-B-B-I-E-P-H-I-L-P, if you want to see the thread. And then there's the little turtles. They're the size of your thumbnail. Wow. Oh. These are wild. So it was a dead turtle that had, that was pregnant with eggs. Gravid. 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 And one egg survived. And you incubated that. And then that one had six more, laid six more eggs. How? Just by herself? That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm so enthralled. I've never seen turtles coming out of an egg before. Like, I imagine that's how it's always been happening. But I've never seen a picture of it. (laughs) That's... That is so crazy. And so adorable. Mm, Hell yeah. turtles. They're so cute. Save the turts! Thank you. Mm, Turts. Yes. That's so All right, cute. dude. Cool. Uh, next up from Jody, pronoun she, her. Jody says, hello, lovelies. I live in a fairly rural county in Kentucky, but our county seat, Danville, is home to Center College, a private liberal arts college, a solid, indivisible chapter, and a new racial justice group called United for Change. Our indivisible chapter was the sole chapter in Kentucky to endorse Charles Booker in the primary, and while the final count mm. wasn't what we'd hoped for, he won our county by 190 votes. We hosted a rally outside of the main post office on July 15th in support of the USPS workers and brought refreshments to them during shift change. Our next major push is to ditch Mitch once and for all. All good vibes and blessings welcomed and appreciated. United for Change Danville mm. began as a pop-up rally after the cruel murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Since the first event, the group has had at least one protest each week and two marches in this small town. Organizers have created a document of all of the minority-owned businesses in the county and have also created a sticker campaign for businesses to place a BLM sticker on their doors if they are supportive of the movement. Just last weekend, they held a praise and prayer rally at the county courthouse that raised the voices of 10 women in the local faith communities. Our community arts center even plans to utilize signs and artwork from these events in an upcoming exhibit. I am not a native Kentuckian, Ohio, AG, but I am pretty proud. I-O. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, what? You say O-H. Oh, O-H. 
Why? I O O H. I O O H. It's <laughs> O A I O. It's in me. It's in me. That's how we do. <laughs> that can never that can never <laughs> stop. As long as the O H keeps no. going. I O. <laughs> oh no. Stop. What a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, you walk down the street, you walk down the street, somebody has an OSU shirt on, Ohio State, the Ohio State University, you just go OH, they go IO. Oh, that's that's fun. I love that. Good to know. I'm going to go terrorize the streets of OH. (laughs) Don't do it in Ohio. That's got to be a pain in the ass. Everyone's wearing an Ohio shirt. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I am not a native Kentuckian, but I am pretty proud of this little rural county we've made our home these past four years and are raising our kids in there is hope here even for my little feminist social justice warriors age 13 9 and 7 ah woohoo fuck yeah kentucky is doing some amazing work right now getting some pieces of shit out of there and yeah booker losing was Mm. so 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 sad i uh really thought that he was gonna get that but but that's okay i really like the uh get mitch or die trying i really think that's yeah um me too pretty funny i hadn't heard that before I didn't know the pod bros were doing that. Yeah. All right. Next up from Anne, pronoun she, her. I love so much about your podcast and important work. One segment I think is so honorable is your corrections. And this makes me feel bad because we haven't done them in a while. Uh, Although I will make a correction right now. Yesterday uh, in my crazy connect the dots Russia OG Mueller she wrote segment in the lead in the A block, I accidentally called. I, I, I said it was Maria Butina that was on the Deripaska boat, and it was Nastya mm-hmm. Ribka. And so I, I mixed up my uh, my Russian Sparrow honeypots. Yes. So I apologize. <laughs> um, and that is a definitely a correction. But anyway, she says, as honorable as your corrections. Well, yesterday, you read my good news about writing postcards for multiple political campaigns and the Get Out the Vote campaigns. I shared the email for your listeners to use if they felt so inspired, but I think you sent the wrong email address. It should be Joni, or join join at TonyTheDemocrat.org. Uh, .org. It should be .org, not .com. So, so, so sorry. So go to join for the postcard campaign. Join at Tony, T-O-N-Y, TonyTheDemocrat.org. Uh, it is funny because uh, on almost every one of my close to 600 cards that I have written, I add, write with us, email join at TonyTheDemocrat.org. I got, I got it right 600 times and blew it yesterday. Ah! <laughs> when I can't sleep sometimes, I wonder how many people sign up to help write cards. 1%, 10%, maybe 20%. And then I go and mess up the email address to you. Ah! She keeps screaming, <laughs> eternal screaming. So... Please accept my apology. Share the correct email address. Join at TonyTheDemocrat.org. Thanks so much, Anne. Thank you, Anne. I should have known you were an org. You had an org feel to you. <laughs> yes. Um, corrections. We're all about the corrections here. And I love uh, I love mm-hmm. that you jumped on that train. Thank you. Thank you for correcting that. And no worries. Uh, finally, from Danielle pronoun she, her, Danielle says, ladies and pod pets. First, I wanted to thank you all for being a part of my life for the last couple of years. Also, what the fuck is time anymore? <sighs> God, who knows? Mm. Clocks are dead. My good news. I signed up for mm. fall classes. Third attempt at finishing uh, is a charm, right? Bad news. I'm still unemployed. Good news. I have not drank in five weeks. Yay. That's really mm. awesome. That is a long time if that was uh, something that would have been hard for you in the past. 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. Also, last thing. I've wanted to be a teacher for as long as I can remember. Both of my mom's sisters have taught slash still teach middle school special ed for 30 years. I'm uh, 30, by the way. And I also mm. married into a family of teachers. However, I have always struggled in school, had an IEP and 504 plan through K-12, graduated high school by the skin of my teeth, etc. ADHD is a curse, but a blessing too. My brain allows me to think outside of the box more often than not, sometimes to my detriment, and that allows me to explain and think about multiple ways of teaching, etc. Anyways, hopefully after this fall semester, I will have enough early childhood education classes to possibly be an aid in class or distance learning. I just want to be that teacher that I needed as a kid but never got. Apologize for the ramble. My husband is at work and the cats are ignoring me. Uh, No apologies necessary. That was not a ramble at all. That was just a solid, solid piece of good news. Thank you. Mm. And I was thinking about that too, right? Like when she's talking about how, you know, she has ADHD, but that gives her the ability to think outside the box in, in more creative ways. And it allows her to explain and think about multiple ways of teaching. And that has to be so important for kids with ADHD to have a teacher that understands that, you know, absolutely, I mean, that's just amazing. And you married into a family of teachers and both of your mom's sisters, your aunts have taught special ed. That's incredible. That is an intense job and so wonderful. And I, I just, you, you're surrounded by teachers, and I just think it's so cool that you've been inspired to go yeah. and teach. Yeah, and seriously, huge shout out on the five weeks of sobriety thing, because that means you started this in the middle of a pandemic, which is, you know, a really hard time to stop doing something that was probably helping you in some ways, because there's a reason there's a reason that we drink, you know, if it's to a, prob- a point of a, it being an issue for us personally, or, or maybe mm. it's just a personal choice we want to change uh, just for ourselves but either way it's that's like an accomplishment in the middle of this and i applaud you for that mm-hmm. for that yep. awesome yes yet yet thank you danielle and that is our good news segment and thank you so much for hanging in i know it was a lot of news today and there was a lot of information coming at you at 100 million miles an hour um, but I do appreciate you guys listening, uh, you guys, y'all, I should say. And uh, we do have an episode of Quarantine Confessions coming out on Saturday, Friday, for patrons. So you can submit at quarantineconfessionspod.com, and you can submit your good news and corrections. We're bringing it back, by the way. We've just been compiling them uh, at dailybeanspod.com. Or, you know, it's all the same website. Just go there and do it. And you can even just say hi. Yeah. Uh, but we appreciate you sending in everything and we love reading these. It's really just seriously makes the day end so much better. Um, or start depends on when you listen to it, but you know, we're, we record at the end of the day. Uh, anything else you want to add today, Jordan? Um, I have another episode of I disagree out with myself and Steve that I quite enjoyed this week. If y'all want to check it out, I disagree. Nice. There, that is all. Oh, also, to plug a podcast that is not ours or mine or anybody's the michelle obama podcast is out and the first episode has mm. obama as the guest and <laughs> holy shit yeah everybody should definitely listen to that and that's all nice um another little piece of good news uh remington one of the united states oh my gosh makers has I, filed for bankruptcy yes so, so sorry i, I just wanted to get that out there <laughs> No, that's okay. I I rashed through the intro, but um, you know, party in the USA, gun manufacturer filing for bankruptcy. Bye. So that's nice. Yes. Um, oh, sorry, not, sorry. I, mean, I not, thought you were, I thought you were gonna you stop know. the the podcast recording after you said bye. I was like, hell yeah, I love that ending. Oh no. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <And. laughs> 
Um, I do not feel like I, I, first of all, I want to say that I know that there's probably a lot of people that are negatively impacted by that, that, you know, are everyday folks who may or may not have a a stake in the gun battle, um, but, you know, just need a job. And so I, I do, you know, uh, hearts got to their families. Yeah. Apparently they were negotiating with the Navajo nation for a while to purchase their assets. And that was, you know, supposed to allow them some freedom from all of their liabilities, but but that seemed to have fallen through. So, hmm. yeah, no one knows if they found an alternative buyer yet. But apparently, uh, they say that they're America's oldest gun manufacturer. So that's... This is a, a relic a relic falling, potentially, that we're witnessing here. I'll buy it. A nice... I'll buy it. <laughs> to make all the guns not work. And they'll just... Just replace it all with guns. bubbles. And little, like, prop flowers. <laughs> That'll be... <laughs> I thought you said I thought you said buttholes. <laughs> okay, come on, don't peg me like that. <laughs> uh, you said peg me like that. I okay. see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you in uh, a few hours for the happy hour meet and greet. We're going to have special guests. Um, uh, I believe Steve Vladek is going to join us. Amy Carrero is going to join us. I'll invite Mary Trump. I don't know. She's pretty busy, but I'll invite her. And I hope you are all there. And for patrons, it starts at 4 Pacific. And for everybody else, we'll open it up at 5. And thank you very much. We'll see you then. Until then, everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>